0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we're kicking off a new series. And with this series, we simply called it Created to Create. And because you were, you were created to create. And as we get into this, um, we're gonna do this a little bit different. We're gonna have some fun. And you think if we have a, Um, A time of creativity And talking about created to create We ought to have some fun with it So next week we're going to have some other elements In the worship service They're going to be a little different We're going to have a lot of fun But to help me preach this message I want to invite my friend uh, Mike Ramirez to the stage So with Throne Studios Mike is a local San Angelo boy Central Bobcat grad and uh, God is taking him all over the United States. He was bouncing in and out, catching airplanes and all sorts of stuff to be with us. And God is using him as an artist, and, uh, and he's been involved with all sorts of ministries. You can follow him on Instagram to see where he's at and what he's doing and some of his stuff. And so, but we've brought him in um, to to help kick off our created uh, to create series. So, Mike, you ready? You got your canvas? Let's rock and roll. All right. Well, here is our our lead thought, Um, that in God's hands, uh, we're both a work of art and an artist at work. We're both, both a work of art and an artist at work. And how beautiful is that? How beautiful is it that God has designed us? And and as people who've uh, grown up in church or been around church, we've heard that all of our lives, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we're made in the image of God. But this goes deeper. And that image of God that is stamped on the inside of us is renewed and brought back to perfection at at salvation and, and the new birth should begin to be revealed as we grow more and more as Christ followers. And that new image, that creativity should be coming out of us. And that we should not only be a work of art, that God's working on us, but that we should be an artist at work. God has called each of us to be able to make a difference. We're not a dead end, and we're not a means to an end. We've been invited in to the process. That God has created us to be in relationship with him. God has created us to grow with him, and it changes everything. We can see this wired in us. Anybody whose parents see that kids are are wired with creativity? In fact, out of the first service, um, um, I was caught in the foyer there, and... uh, Colin, our seven-year-old, had had a craft time there in Kids Church in the first service, and she brings me her craft, and I'm looking at it. It was awesome, and she says, Dad, you have to keep it. So, I, I do keep it. I've got a stack of stuff on my desk that they create, but but it didn't matter that she created something for me last week or two weeks ago. This was u- new. This was unique. This was important, and she wanted me to keep that one as well, each one Mattered, and that's the way that is. And as parents, sometimes we we get a little frustrated with our kids' creativity. You know, um, we walk into their rooms, and um, we see uh, uh, you know an, an, an explosion of something and some smells somehow with that. Um, and um, you know, man, I, you know, they they just think they're just that's their canvas. They're just a they're just an artist at work. You know. It's you don't you don't look what goes on. You look what comes out the door and how good it looks when it comes out the door. It's not the mess that's left on the floor, Lulu, um, when you're getting ready. And so uh, <laughs> and so but when I was a when I was a kid, you know, I there was stuff I wanted to do. I wanted to be active and, and I've always liked creativity and my, my earliest memories of church me sitting there with my parents and, and they were very involved in church and, and I would draw and I would draw trains. For whatever reason, I would draw trains. And I drew lots and lots of trains and I would just sit there on the pew and, and you know, I'd fill up my paper and boy, they'd give me another one, you know, and I'd draw another train, you know, so I don't be disruptive or, or whatnot. But uh, I remember just as I'm dueling and, and hearing the preaching and being in the environment that it was just a It was just a pleasurable environment, and it was nice that I was able to be expressive in my own little way there. And that was encouraged, but there were other places of creativity that kind of would show themselves up. Um, Because, you know, as a little boy, I would look at a little chunk of ground in our backyard, and I didn't didn't just see a patch of dirt. Um, I saw a potential hole. And not a hole, two holes. And not just two holes, two holes connected with a tunnel. Because every 10 year old boy wants two holes connected with a tunnel. So you dig the two holes and you connect them with a tunnel and you do it so that mom can't see it out the back door because she'll shut you down. And so, but it was so awesome and it was so amazing and they were so perfect that I had to show mom. And so I go, Mom, come see what I did. And she looks at the two holes connected with a tunnel and uh, she's like, Oh, that's nice. Um, uh, cover it up. And so, Because she did not see what I saw. She saw a death trap. She saw a cave-in. She saw ambulances and scary stuff taking place. And I just saw something amazing. And, so, and that didn't just happen whenever I was you know, a little boy. There were other times where there would be this creativity and this expression that would show up. And whenever I was uh, in high school, in fact, we'd moved into a different house there in Odessa... And I've been if you've been around Celebration Church, you know I'm not athletic, uh, I'm just not. I'm not coordinated that way, that's not my thing. And so anytime I do something kind of remotely athletic, I'm super proud of myself. And so it's like a little miracle just takes place. And uh, it's amazing. And so uh, when I was at the house and, you know, an 18 year old boy in, in the, his room, you know, and for whatever reason, um, I had the thought that all of you've had. Um, I wonder if I can touch my elbow to the ceiling. Yeah. I think so. N- nobody in the first service had that thought either. I'm like the only person, at least at this church, that has thought, can I touch my elbow to the ceiling? And so, but I did, and I was wondering if I could touch my elbow to the ceiling. And there's an eight foot ceiling, and so, you know, I'm sitting there. And uh, thankfully, there was no cameras or any of that because my sisters would have posted it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not athletic, which the opposite of not athletic is awkward, so I'm awkward. And uh, so I was sitting there and I was trying to jump and touch my elbow to the ceiling. And I really was. I was doing it that awkwardly and just doing that. And I wasn't getting there, but I could sense I was close. I could sense I was close. So I decided that I'm going to just jump with all I've got. I'm going to bend down and coil down, and then I'm going to jump, and then I'm going to put my elbow up and then touch the ceiling. And um, because I'm not coordinated and athletic, um, I didn't time all of those mechanisms at the right time. So I jump, and I sit there, and I WWF my elbow through the ceiling and just and, and knock, knock a hole in the ceiling. Well, yet again... Uh, my, nobody had seen how many failed attempts I'd had at touching my elbow to the ceiling. So you fail a lot of times, and then you win. It's a big deal. I mean, it's exciting. I don't care what it is. It's like super exciting. So then I'm like, Mom, come look at this. This is amazing. I touched my elbow to the ceiling. And again, all she saw was another hole that needed to be filled. And I was so excited, but this energy and thoughts and expression and all this stuff comes out, and, and a lot of times we don't necessarily do it the right way, and, and we feel like we got false starts, and, and we got these motions that that, you know, this went, I tried this and that didn't work. I tried that and that didn't work. And, and, you know, and everybody else on the block can run faster than me or do this than that. And, you know, and as a young man who wasn't athletic, you know, I had to begin to deal with my own stuff. You know, you know what am I good at? Where do I fit? All of these different things. And, and so many times there's this place where we begin to notice all the things we can't do. And that, that side of the column begins to get so full that it begins to cast a shadow on all the potential things we can, can do, but just haven't discovered yet. All the stuff we can do, but just haven't discovered yet. Because we have this big shadow of camp begins to, to cast onto it. And today, as pastor, I want, I want to cut through all of the mental arguments. I want to cut through all the stuff. And I want to speak to your hearts today. I want to talk to this place that's on the inside of you that God created. And you've, you've created this wall. Life has created this wall. Others have created this wall that have told you you can't be amazing. I told you you can't. When you're made in the image of an amazing God. Therefore, you are wired to be amazing somewhere, some way. You're wired for it. Those two can't be separated. We can't be made in the image of God and be dull and normal and boring. Just because we're not necessarily excellent at everything doesn't mean that God hasn't wired us and called us. And so as we move into this series... God created you not just to be in relationship with him. Yes, that's it, but it is bigger than that. It's because his heart is so full to be able to connect with people who are disconnected with him. As we connect with him, that heart begins to surge through us. And we find this other hand that wants to begin to grab a hold and connect with somebody else. And that the way you're wired, the creativity, is how it's going to happen. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, and in our school of ministry, our in-house school of ministry, our first trimester, we break it up into three parts. We'd have three classes in each trimester, and our first trimester with the three classes, the central hub of those three classes all revolves, all revolves around this. Everything comes back to Ephesians 2. This is a big deal to us. We teach grace, faith, and principles of ministry, and it's all right here. Let's look at it. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. This thing about finding our creativity isn't to pound our chest and, and to be able to see how awesome we are. So many times we're afraid to be awesome because we don't know how to do it. We turn it into pride. So therefore we get fearful of excelling at something because then we're going to be prideful about it. No, the Holy Spirit will allow us to walk in humility and excellence at the same time. It may take a couple of stutter steps as we get there. But we will learn to walk in humility and excellence simultaneously. So that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here we are. We're God's handiwork, but then there's work that he prepared in advance for us to do. It was already on his heart. It's already wired into you. That's why life away from God is so frustrating. That's why no success outside of God is ever fulfilling. It's never fulfilling because we were created to live and move and have our being in Christ. And you know what? That phrase that we use and own is in our scriptures was actually written as a prayer to Zeus. And Paul took it. That's why it's in quotes in your Bible. He said, man, that is truth and that is ours. And he grabs it. Some poetic expression comes out and bubbles out of this Roman poet. And he grabs it and pulls it in his own. Here we are. We're God's handiwork but we're also God's hands at work. We're both. We're God's handiwork and his hands at work. And if we don't embrace both, we will live less than what God has called us to live. See, we were created in the image of a loving creator to be an active part of his creation. Let's go back to Genesis chapter one real quick. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, there have been all of the days of creation, the, the light, the dark, the, the firmament, the, the earth, all of the, the animals, all the stuff's happened, the grass, the field, the trees, all that's done. And so, and then we get to day six, and then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, let, uh, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We don't find out about Adam and Eve until chapter two, folks, okay? Um, very, from the very beginning, the scripture has been the most progressive document around that male and female are equal. It took messed up males to subjugate females. The Bible didn't do it, never has, okay? Never has. So here it is from the very beginning. We get into the order of creation and to, but from the very beginning, God wanted us to understand there's this there's this place. We're both made in the image of God. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. They were created to be an active part of what he had created. They're not just this pretty little beings walking around in the Garden of Eden, you know, putting it in there. You know, we, we, one of about Cutie and I's favorite movies, one of our first movies we went on a date was The, the Father of the Bride with um, Steve Martin, you know? And they're talking with, uh, with Franck, the wedding coordinator. And they're gonna have uh, swans waddling around the tulip border. He's like, we don't have a tulip border. And they're like, not yet. But you will. And so, but we're not these swans waddling around, just creating some ambiance and some, some pretty around God's perfect creation. We were created to be a part of it, we were created to be in the middle of it, we were created to, to carry forward His assignment to move forward and to fill the earth and subdue it. Folks, that was going to take some creativity. It was going to create some ingenuity. There were massive bodies of water that were going to have to be spanned. There were lots of stuff that was going to have to do. And all of that God wired into us. Here we are. Here we are. We are worshiping in this building. And God didn't build this building. But every piece of material that it is made of is God's original creation. And humanity and their creative creativity in the image of God took the different elements and created this place for us to hey, get away from the rain, at least mostly the rain. There's a couple of leaks around the building, but we'll get to those. And so, but this part's pretty dry. And so, um, but we uh, God God used humanity and creativity to move things forward. Genesis chapter two, verse seven says, "Then God formed a man." <clears throat> from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. I love here that God reaches into something that was already created. Already created. Humanity came about when God touched and grabbed a hold of something he had already created. Crafted it breathed life spirit into man and man is now alive and crafted in in the image of god and just like we came from something that he had already created with an, with an assignment to create here and now with this god puts on us creates us to create this idea that this expression should come from lots of different places. I love it that, that at Celebration Church, that our youth group has been on the forefront of this, have been pushing this and embracing that God has wired us in a way that we're created to create. Dave and Annette are doing a great job of releasing and encouraging our young people. And if if you show up at Youth on any given Wednesday, you'll see young people doing awesome things, playing instruments, leading worship, showing their talents, dancing, doing all sorts of cool stuff, bringing glory to God. If you were at one epic night this spring, you got to witness it firsthand, and it was absolutely amazing. And if you missed it, we got a little video that'll just kind of show you some examples of what went on mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The creativity and talent and whatnot gets expressed in so many different ways, and God wants to use that to help point people to the love and grace and the new cre- that exists in His creation. I want us to real quickly. I want us to track through and look. And take a, and break down some place where we see Jesus living out on the earth, part of his assignment. And if you remember there in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And he grabs the scroll in Isaiah 61. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me for a number of things. And one of those things is recovery of sight to the blind. And we're going to look at some of the places where Jesus is doing his thing. Recovery of sight to the blind. So, so we've got to know that Jesus has got to have a way, right? There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way he does it. So we see that from the, very, from the very first right out of the box, we see Jesus, he touches. He uses his hands, he touches. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 verse 27 says, Then Jesus departed from there, and two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. And when they had departed, they spread the news about him and all the country. They just went ahead and told everybody. So here we are. Jesus says, I'm anointed to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Very first time in any of the gospels, we see him doing his recovery of sight to the blind thing. And Jesus touches he touches. There we go. We know we've got this figured out. We need to go. We need a. a Jesus is the, the Messiah. He's a miracle worker. His assignment is recovery of sight to the blind. And now we know how he does it. He touches. So we just need him to touch. Anybody that's blind, we just need him to touch them. We understand the formula. We understand how he works. We understand the model and whatnot. Now, now we know how, this, how to get this done. But wait a second. All of a sudden, we're about to find out and it didn't work just that way. We're about to see that, that Jesus spits. That Jesus spits. That's kind of crude. It's kind of crass. It's not sweet Jesus, little cherub. Jesus? He spits. What's up with this? Jesus spitting Jesus. Let's look at Mark chapter 8. Because they thought, they thought they had it figured out. This is how the Creator creates Jesus. Opened eyes. We know it. He touches. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He's blind. We know how the blind thing gets fixed. Touch him. Touch him. You touch the other guys, touch him. Hmm. Maybe Jesus does his assignment through multiple avenues. Hmm. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, he spit on him? Yeah, just to shake things up a little bit. Shake them up. <laughs> spit in his eyes. This is his place of need. And Jesus spit in his eyes. Jesus, Jesus needed a PR guy. Jesus needed a handler. No spitting. Somebody comes to a need and say, uh, Jesus, I need some healing. I need my water drawing with your eyes. Um, you, you, your line's gonna get short, Jesus. People don't like getting spit on around here. He needed a handler. He needed somebody helping him out. He didn't understand. That's not, you don't spit on people. But he spit on him. And then he asks him, do you see anything? The guy's sitting there, closed eyes. He's like, I don't, I just feel wet. So then he has to do something. He has to open his eyes. And as the little spit strings move out of his eyelashes. He says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So here's this miracle. He's seeing, but it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's progressive. Folks, never discount what the miracle that God does in increments. Never discount the miracle God does in increments. Too many people. We want the boom all right now. And well, I feel better, but I still hurt. Well, my marriage is a little better, but he's still mostly a jerk. He's a little better. Come on, celebrate the increments. He's not done. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Now he's doing it right. He's he's a, he's a a, he's a touch guy. He tried to throw us with the spit thing. And he put his hands on the man's eyes. And then they were opened and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. So now we're going to really get this figured out right. we got another one. Jesus apparently is fixated on the spit thing. And Jesus makes spit mud. Now he's taking it to a whole other level. So John chapter 9 says, And when they had uh, said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with his saliva. I'm telling you, he needed a handler. They're like, you didn't like the spit in the face thing? And now, I'm going to pick it up. That made everybody just a little squeamish. And he picks his spit up with some dirt. I don't know, but if you remember Genesis, God does some pretty cool stuff with dirt. He does some pretty cool stuff with dirt. So he takes the dirt and he takes the spit and he makes some clay. And he sticks that in his eyes. And then he tells him to go wash. Wash. So now the guy's got mud on his eyes. He's got to go wash. He's got to go find a place to wash. What is the problem here? Why can't you just touch me? You touch the other guy. Chill with the spit. We know how to do this. You know you're anointed. Just touch. Come on. We know how this is done. He'd go wash. And he went and he washed and he came back. saying. Man, we so want there to be a formula. We so want there to be a way, a way Jesus does his thing, a way he does it. Then we can formulate our church models, and then we can formulate our church thing, and then we can get our program just right because this is the Jesus way, and everybody that don't do it this way is doing it wrong. Nope. I guarantee you, there would have been the church of the touch, the church of the spit, and the church of the spit mud. And There would have been three little churches all out there. So, no, he Jesus quit the touch thing. He has moved on to spit. He's all about spit. I promised you. Oh, no, he's moved on from the spit. He's spit mud. We're the spit mud people. That was the old thing. That's passed away. Plain spit's passed away. We do this, folks. We do this. It would be funnier if it didn't hurt to say it. But it does. But here we are. So now we see again that all of a sudden, he's going to throw us all for a loop. We get to Mark chapter 10. It says, so Jesus answered and said to him, because Jesus simply speaks. Mark chapter 10, verse 51 it says, so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Raboni, that I may receive my sight. He's blind. And he says, what do you want me to do? Yes. Because we need to know he cares and we need to, want to take our needs to him. Not just sit back and say, you need to be my little, my little fix-it-all. Before I even know I need it, you need to fix it. No, he's called us to be a part of this thing. What do you want me to do for you? That we receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He just spoke. Just spoke. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. And he went his way. He went a new way. He followed Jesus. He said, I'm going to make my way your way. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do it your way. So what was the formula? What was the formula? We have all this Jesus blank, Jesus blank, Jesus blank. There's got to be a formula. Did you notice the constant across there? It's Jesus. Jesus. That if Jesus is involved, it can express itself in multiple ways and blind still see. Come on. Yeah. People still get what they need. Yeah. It can be expressed in multiple different ways. That is why a creator that went up to the heavens, released us to be the body of Christ, inhabiting us with the Holy Spirit, called us to be his hands at work. That you and I are each so individually unique with each individual things, Because you and I are the ones who are called. There's one more Jesus blank. And I don't have the fill-in for you. I don't have it. You have it. You have it. You have the fill-in. It's Jesus and you. The new technique for Jesus doing what he's called to do is you. It's not that touch and the spit and the spit mud. It's you. It's Jesus and you. That's what he's called to. And that's why you don't have to try to figure out how someone else has done it and clone. Let him show up through you. Let him do it through you. He's not afraid of something, doing something in a way he's never done it before. We see that. He wants to do it through you. This is it. We look at the scriptures. We look at things that, you know, this, it's always been this thing. It won't be nailed down. Never won't let himself be nailed down. We see he's, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, he's a little lamb. He's a lamb that's sweet, that's cuddly. I can put it in my lap. Oh, man, he's a lion. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh, that's not sweet and cuddly. That's powerful. That's a little awesome. Well, what is he? Is he the lion? Is he the lamb? Is he the lion? Is he the lamb? i would say the answer is, yes, he is the lion. Yes, he is the lamb. He is the The lion and the lamb. He is expressed in so many different ways. He is the lion and he is the lamb. I believe you. There we go. Be loosed. There we go. My Jesus hands can't do that. But his Jesus hands can. And here we see this beautiful expression of the mystery that Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He is expressed through Brandon Clark, and he's expressed through Mike Ramirez, and he's expressed through you. Art has a way. Creativity has a way of connecting. There are ways to be able to download and get messages from all over all over the world. And there are preachers who get downloaded millions of times every week. But there's one preacher, one message that's been that's made more impact and connected more hearts than, than your favorite downloaded preacher ever. You probably put them all together and it doesn't combine. And there was a man who lived a wretched, miserable life. And he made his living by sailing across the sea and meeting people at a dock who had been gathered up and rounded up and herded up like cattle. Ripped out of their homes, ripped out of their places and and brought into a place and shoved into a boat and carried across an ocean. To a new continent, to be, to be worked like animals and owned like property. And this man made his living that way. This man got really, really sick. And there was one of those women, made in the image of God, creation women. Who he owned. That when he was sick, nobody would have blamed her to sit back and let the fever run its course. Nobody would have blamed her. This guy had hurt and whipped and and been more abusive than the kind of abuse we can think of. In our Love Bucket series, nobody would blame her that he was tiny in her bucket. Nobody would blame her. But there was a live God on the inside of her that wouldn't let Wouldn't let it be that small. And she began to love on that sick man like she was loving on her Savior. A man who didn't look like her Savior or act like her Savior, but she began to love on him like he was her Savior. And she began to nurse him and care for him and tend to him in his time of need. And she shared the gospel with him and the good news of who Jesus was. And that man said yes to Jesus got out of the slave trade business, got out of that mess and gave himself to the work of Christ. And in a place of gratitude, he wrote some words that echo through just about every church around the world and just about every language. And he wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I found was blind. But now I see. And there's a poetic, beautiful, artistic, creative expression of the love of God that was written down as song. That is carried on and preached for hundreds of years because some lady dared to love the unlovable. Which she had every right not to. She had every right not to in this worldly right, and she treated him like Jesus. Folks, this makes a difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. And we're called to love people. We're also called to let this God on the inside of us we're created in his image to be expressed fully in us. And that could show up not just in some beautiful expression of art or song, or anything like that. Maybe you're wired for business. Maybe you're, maybe you're wired to be able to tend and care for people. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're able to, to counsel and to, to coach and, and just be loving and caring in a creative way. Maybe you can able to, to feed people. And, I don't know, but it, we're going to get into that over the series, but creativity can show up in so many different places. But I'm telling you, somebody is going to be able to see The reality of who Jesus is on the other side of you being fully who you are. Somebody will. Somebody will. Our next steps is to create something this week to express the love of God. Just start with something. Maybe it's write a note. Send a text. But do it on purpose to express the love of God. Randomly encourage somebody. Create a a cake. That co-worker that's driving you up the wall, do some wonderful act of extravagant love to them. Do something loving to them. Blow their socks off. Express the love of God some way. I saw in my household when my 16-year-old baby sister was struggling and angry and upset and all kinds of messed up and nothing could get through to her, my dad baked a bunch of nasty chocolate chip cookies. He was not a baker. And that act of love with those burnt chocolate chip cookies was just a father's heart walking through that door, melted my sister's heart, and things began to change in that moment. I'm telling you, don't discount it. God has wired you, and we need to step into it. Our bottom line is, is we were created to create, and we we're created. In the image of a loving creator to be a part, an active part of his recreation. We're supposed to be a part of initial creation and our part of his recreation. This is a beautiful thing. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.